Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians, the sixth chapter. And let's go ahead and pray. Father, thank you so much tonight. You're in us. You're, you're on us. Lord, you've redeemed us. Thank you for all you've given us. We bless you and worship you tonight. Ask you now for the word for the hour, the message for this time. Lord, may each person have eyes to see and ears to hear, hearts that are open and receptive. Lord, give each one the things that are right and necessary for their lives tonight. We trust you to minister to us as we minister to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Ephesians 6, verse 18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The New International Version says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Praise the Lord. How many know we're supposed to be watchful and be alert? I think there's too many people not paying attention. When I say paying attention, they're not paying attention to spiritual things. Okay, Jesus even had a word for those in, in his day who, who knew the weather, right? They could tell when it was going to rain. <laughs> they didn't know when, uh, they didn't know the signs of the times. They weren't spiritually sensitive. They weren't paying attention to th things in the spirit realm. Let that not be said of us, okay? That we can tell you, well, the forecast is. And we can tell you, we can tell you, give you the pulse of the economy and all these natural things. But when it comes to spiritual things, our eyes kind of glaze over. <laughs> and we just, huh? So you know everything that's going to happen naturally. But you know all the latest sports scores. You know the latest headlines. You can give the stats on all the uh, political races and, and all this. But when it comes to scripture, there's just kind of nothing there. All right. Uh, we ought not be that way, okay? We need to be watchful and paying attention, and this directly applies to our prayer lives, all right? If you're not praying, you're not knowing. If you're not seeking God and spending time with Him, I'll just tell you up front, you're dull spiritually. Dull, all right? And we must not be dull. Things, are, the, things catch people off guard. You know that. Okay, we're living in a time where things are very important. God is on the move, and we've got to be paying attention, got to be uh, aware of what's happening. People get lulled to sleep with life and the cares of this world, natural in interests, jobs, and natural responsibilities. It's not that they purposely did it. Usually, they just got too involved with things natural, but as they went on that path and neglected their prayer life, neglected their time in the Word, they got weaker and weaker, and they got drained more and more, and that's when people really get in trouble, because they've got to make a decision, and they're so far away from God. And I don't, I don't mean positionally, where you're right next to Him, but I mean just in a practical day-to-day -day living, as far as in your soul, you're too far away from the Lord to hear Him. Amen now. Okay, well, say, what happens if, uh, uh, if you're too far, too far away to hear? We should get closer. It's like if someone was yelling at you from across the field. And you said, what? And they're telling you, giving you some direction. What? And they're yelling at you. And you're saying, what? And what they're saying is, there's a truck about to run you over. <laughs> and you're, what? <laughs> It'd be better if you were closer. 
so you could hear that person understand them better that oh there's something coming and i don't want it to be that way with the lord where he's yelling at me and understand what i'm saying theologically and positionally we're we're in christ and he hasn't left you okay i'm not not implying that that you're getting closer or further away from god in that sense but it's a practical thing of our about paying attention being alert okay and understand this that we, that we the more we don't spend time paying attention to the lord and his word and in prayer the the more we're drained Okay, we're drained spiritually. In other words, uh, we, we understand from the Bible that a person can be filled more or less with the Holy Spirit. Okay, Ephesians 5 says that we're to be continually or be being filled with the Spirit. Okay, and so that's an ongoing process. If you're not doing anything to be filled with the Spirit, you're not. Amen. Someone says, yes, I am. I speak in tongues. Well, just because you did doesn't mean you is. <laughs> just because you were filled doesn't mean you are filled. It's a continual pro- process. It's kind of like, uh, have you ever, uh, maybe you had a time in your life where you exercised a lot. Maybe you uh, played a sport. Maybe you went to the gym. Maybe you did something that really worked your body. Maybe you went snow skiing or something like that. And your, you know, your legs were in good shape and and, uh, and you just got used to living that way, but through whatever circumstance, your lifestyle changed in some way, and you quit exercising, quit doing something for a while, and, and, and then later on, quite a bit later, you went back to do it again, and you didn't realize, it, it's almost like it snuck up on you, you thought, I can do this, I can handle this, I mean, I've done that, uh, you know, years ago, I used to get with people more often just to... Uh, play basketball just shooting around and having fun and and if you don't do that for a long time and you're not doing a whole lot of exercise you get out there and (laughs) and and you realize after a couple laps that wow you know up and down the court you like man what happened to me i'm i'm just jelly here (laughs) and and what happens is is that kind of sneaks up on you just little by little you're in worse shape than you thought you were you didn't realize you were in such bad shape physically. Okay, that same thing happens to people spiritually. Uh-huh. And, and that is if, if they just start to neglect little by little by little over the months and even years, I got to tell you, you're just not where you used to be. And you think people will look at themselves and think, well, I still feel okay. I still love the Lord. And, and uh, I think everything's all right. Well, I'm not saying you don't love the Lord, but get out there in the basketball cart and let's test this thing out okay let's and we could say it this way get in a prayer meeting see how focused you are <laughs> get, get get an attack have something come up blindside you see where your faith is at and see that's the test we don't really want to have huh it's not fun when you're sucking air running up the, up the court and what you used to do you can't do anymore and you see these young whippersnappers blowing right by you jumping over you and and everything you can't hardly keep up with them all right this is not a recent experience in case you think I'm speaking, uh, speaking with, with passion here, but those, those kind of things do, do stick with you for a while. <laughs> and uh, anyway, spiritually, it's, it's, it's something that if we're not working out, uh, getting stuff done, uh, we've probably been, uh, we've gotten weaker than, than we really realize that we have, okay? And so let's stay up on things, be alert, be watchful. Uh, we've been talking about the different types of prayer in this series on all kinds of prayer. And I want to I share with you tonight about, tonight about the prayer of thanksgiving, all right? The prayer of thanksgiving. Is that a good timing? Yeah. Wow, it just worked out. All right, Philippians chapter 4. You're right there in, close in Ephesians. This is a passage we've read on a number of these points. Philippians 4 verse 6 
says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, what's that next phrase? With thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. And so understand that thanksgiving is a big part of our prayer lives. And uh, another verse is in Colossians. Just take another turn, about a page over in my Bible. Uh, Colossians chapter 2, or excuse me, chapter 4, and verse 2. 4 verse 2 says, continue earnestly in prayer. Now, now, first of all, why would the Bible tell us to continue earnestly in prayer? Well, there must be a likelihood that people would quit praying. They would give up. They would maybe grow weary in praying. And so we're given instruction for this very fact that people oftentimes don't continue. And so we have to be told to continue. All right. It's like for most people, you don't have to tell them to eat. I want to remind you to eat. <laughs> How many got a reminder on the inside? <laughs> it, it reminds me every day, eat. <laughs> and so I don't really need a, need a word from God. I don't need a special book or a reminder or a coach or someone to really just hold me accountable. You're still eating, right? <laughs> now, what I eat, that might be another thing, but as far as eating. And, and again, we're not told here to continue in prayer. Uh, be, uh, uh, we're told to continue in prayer simply because if we're not told, many people stop praying. All right? Don't stop. That's the word of the Lord, isn't it? Don't quit praying. Continue earnestly in prayer. He said, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. With thanksgiving. Again, we're told, we're reminded to do these things with thanksgiving because those are, that's one of those areas where it might slip. We might slip in our prayer lives, if they exist, and we might stop or we might cease giving thanks. And if you and I are not thankful people, we're really missing something in our prayer lives. And it's going to affect us, okay? You're going to go up for that jumper, and you're going to miss if you're not thankful on a regular basis. Hmm. (laughs) Amen. And so uh, there is an opportunity for us to continue in prayer earnestly with thanksgiving. Now here's another verse, 1 Timothy 2 verse 1 tells us that we should give thanks for all men, for kings and for all who are in authority. We oftentimes think about the prayer part, yes, uh, and this this is a type of prayer, but we think I'm supposed to pray for those in leadership and those in authority and make intercession for them and and so forth, and that's true, and that's correct, and that's biblical, but we're also supposed to give thanks for everybody and for those in authority. Now, that sounds real easy in theory, but it's difficult if the person in authority is not somebody you like. Okay, and if someone in authority is making wrong choices and making wrong decisions and affecting the people in a negative way, we're still supposed to pray and get this, we're still supposed to be thankful. (laughs) Yeah, ready to walk by faith? (laughs) This is how this works. Okay, thankfulness is not always just going to flow out of you. Being a thankful person on a regular basis is not going to be automatic with you in every circumstance and situation. There will be times in your life where you want to do just the opposite of give thanks. And a whole lot of people are yielding to that. Okay. Most of the time when we talk about our prayer lives, uh, I think there's a whole lot of focus on prayers to receive. 
whole lot of focus on petition type prayers where we're asking God to do something. And I want to tell you, if we're spending the vast majority of our time asking God for things, we are unbalanced. Scripturally, we are unbalanced. Our prayer lives ought to be going this way. In other words, we're giving, we are sending things that way, and not just trying to get things to come our way. All right, take a left turn from where you're at to Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. I think we should spend at least as much time ministering to the Lord as we do in, get, in, in endeavoring to get Him to minister to us. Say, so minister to the Lord? Are we really supposed to minister to Him? Does the Lord need ministry? <laughs> well, we have biblical precedent that Christians are supposed to minister to God. It's not all about Him ministering to us. All right? And if we understand this and put this into practice, it'll bring great balance. Look at this in, in 13. Chapter 13, verse 1, now in the, in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called uh, Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Notice what it said, as they ministered to the Lord. We oftentimes think about our ministering to each other, and that's right, and that's good. But are we supposed to minister to the Lord? We are certainly supposed to minister to the Lord. And when I see this, and I I realize that the Bible says, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, that helps me to understand that it wasn't for five minutes. All right. Now, I'm assuming most of us have not eaten here in the last little while, but we're not going to tell people when we go out of here, yeah, I went to church and fasted. Will we? I mean, I don't really, I haven't eaten for a little while, and I don't consider myself to be fasting right now. I mean, in the strictest sense of the word, I guess I am. But we, that's not when you use that phrase, I fasted between lunch and dinner. You know, anytime my mouth, something's not going in, I'm fast. No, no. When you fast, it's usually you've got to be at least talking about missing a meal. You know, a time when you would normally eat that you didn't eat. And oftentimes it's longer than that. And when I see that the Bible says here that they ministered to the Lord and fasted, it seems like they ministered to the Lord for a while. Okay, this wasn't a five or ten minute deal, probably not just for an hour, probably several hours. They ministered to the Lord and fasted, all right? And that's already way out there, isn't it? (laughs) As far as the average person would ever do is spend multiple hours ministering to the Lord, okay? But I like this, what it says. When they did that, the Holy Spirit said. Someone said, I really want God to speak to me. Well, maybe you should minister to the Lord and fast, not as, a, not as a way to get God to speak to you, but it seems to me that when we minister to Him, He likes to talk. When you are ministering to Him, He responds and ministers to you. That's just the way He is. 
okay? But our ministering to the Lord is very important and very important part of our prayer lives. It will, we will experience God moving mightily when we minister to Him, okay? Thanksgiving now is both an attitude and an expression, okay? It is an attitude we are to have, and it is something that is supposed to flow out of us. If we are really doing the Word, being a doer of the Word concerning thanksgiving, it's going to affect how we think, our attitude, and it's going to affect how we act, okay? And, and a whole lot of that, the biggest part of that is verbal, all right, it's going to come out of our mouths. Ultimately, I don't just want to be thankful in my heart. I want to be thankful in my mouth. Okay, both are very, very important. Okay, many people spend more time than they think doing just the opposite of the prayer of thanksgiving. Okay, just like to all these prayers, it seems like there's an opposite. In this one, What's the opposite of being thankful? Well, it's being a complainer, a griper, all right? And many times people see good things happening and they say nothing, and they see bad things happening and they complain about it. Quick to point out what's wrong when things are right, hardly say anything. That's a problem. Okay, and here's the goal now. It's not to be balanced in that. The goal is to be completely unbalanced in this area. No complaining. <laughs> A lot of thankfulness. Okay, my goal is not, well, I, I, say, I talk about how things are bad and I talk about how things are good. I'm just, a, I'm just a realist. Call it like I see it. Well, some things we're not supposed to talk about. Some, sometimes the way you feel should not be expressed, should not be let out of your mouth. You should not give voice to certain feelings and certain emotions and certain, certain thoughts that you have because what it does is it reinforces that in you and it gets that junk into somebody else, okay? You know, it's like driving you know, on a rainy day. You're walking down the sidewalk and someone drives by and hits a puddle and gets it all over you. A lot of people splashing mud all over everybody else just because every time they see something wrong they let it come out of their mouth well what's wrong with this how come they did it that way well what's happening here <laughs> knock it off you're getting it. other people are getting it right in there you're getting it right in their ears think they woke up today to hear that amen we got to watch out for this because this is the way the flesh likes to deal with negative stuff likes to repeat it likes to talk about it Likes to complain about it. Makes it feel good for some reason. But it's short-lived. It's short-lived. Thankfulness is very, very important. Look at Numbers chapter 14 with me. We'll take a quick example from here. Some of the most ungrateful, unthankful, complaining bunch was the group we got our start from. <laughs> the children of Israel of course they were slaves for a while and uh, but the Lord delivered them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm God brought them supernaturally out of bondage and out of slavery and they had some tough days ahead 
And they would have, they would have only lasted a couple weeks as far as their little march through the desert. And God would have take, was taking care of them. But there was some uncomfortable parts to it. Sometimes they got thirsty and hungry. And, uh, but they would have been in the promised land so very soon. But ended up spending 40 years. What was the reason? Well, they were ungrateful. They were unthankful. They were complainers. And those, those things that we say there are the opposite of faith. I am not in faith if I am complaining. Amen. Numbers 14. Let's just give you these, these verses. Verse 27. Numbers 14. 27. Well, verse 26. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, How long shall I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? Does God hear complaints? Apparently so. Mm. He said, I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from, the, from 20 years old and above. And, and, and so what's happening here, you can read the rest of the story, but they were complaining. And because of that, they were not able to go into the promised land. God had promised them a land of abundance and plenty. It was going to be awesome. And later, the, another group got it. Their descendants got it. But they didn't get it because they complained against God. And that was a demonstration of their unbelief. If I really believe what God has said about me, it, it can only make me glad and thankful. Okay, but if I am complaining about what I don't have and what's not working and why I don't, why someone else gets something, that is a direct indication that I do not believe what God said concerning me because he has promised me some great things. And if I believe him, it instinctively puts gladness and thankfulness in my heart. And so Israel focused on all that they did not have, which caused them to react negatively to everything complaining is definitely a symptom of doubt if you come on into the new testament first corinthians chapter 10 and verse 10 it speaks of this and says nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer okay speaking of this group we can see that the new testament points to them as an example for us of what not to do okay if i don't want to be destroyed i have got to avoid complaining do you like to complain are you really good at pointing out what's wrong do you feel anointed at times to do it <laughs> this, this is this is my gift <laughs> i'm just very discerning and i can find out what's wrong about people and what's wrong about no that's not a gift from god <laughs> okay i gotta tell you that's the flesh it's not, what, it's not what the Lord's doing in your life. But, but go over to Acts 26 with me. Acts chapter 26. 
And, and let's see a, see a New Testament example. We see the Old Testament example of what we're not supposed to do. Here's a New Testament example of what we are supposed to do, what we are told to do, and that is this prayer of thanksgiving should be offered in our lives on a continual basis. Acts 16. Acts 16. And so Paul and Silas in this situation, some of you know the story, it'll be good to look at it again. Paul and Silas were uh, in prison. They had been thrown into prison. They had been, uh, in verse 23, many stripes were, had been laid upon them. Okay? Well, what are they doing? They're living for God, preaching the gospel. It said in verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns or praises to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. Okay? So understand the picture. If, I mean, if we could have a video of this, I think it would help us. But we've got to use our imagination and try to understand what they're going through. Because we have not gone through this. <laughs> they were beaten. They were whipped. Their skin was laid open. They, you know, think about the whipping post and them being just ravaged upon. And, and they were hurting big time. Okay, these guys were in pain, and they're in the innermost prison. This is not some, you know, they didn't, it's not a, what do you call it, a Holiday Inn Express? They didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, and uh, they're in the innermost prison. Stinks, dark, cold, they've been beaten, they've been ripped open, and naturally speaking, what's going to happen next? Maybe another beating, <laughs> you know, maybe they're going to be put to death. I mean, there's just a lot of, this is a really bad situation, okay? But if you can picture these guys, they're in the stocks, okay? So they're all bound up. Maybe they got their head through there, and they got their arms through there, and they're just, uh, uh, Paul and Silas are in there, and you'd think that would be the best opportunity to say, what in the world is happening here? Those, and they can start talking about the people that put them in there. They can start talking about, I can't believe I'm serving, serving God. And, he's called, and this is what happens to me. I was doing fine before, and, now, and look at me now. And they could go on and on and complain about their circumstances. And how many know, if anyone who walked by, they wouldn't put them down for it. They'd think, well, you know, it is pretty, you are having a pretty tough time here. I don't, I'm not going to uh, put you down for complaining. I mean, wow, you're really going through it right now. And we would think oftentimes that a person, because of their difficult circumstance and situation, is justified to complain. But the person who wants to change their circumstances will not take their present conditions as a justification to gripe. In the wilderness, the Israelites, they had reason to complain as well. If they were just looking naturally, they had some challenges. But God does not want us to focus on the natural side and just be bogged down in what we don't have and what is not right. He wants us to magnify Him, look at those things which are not seen, instead of looking at those things which are seen. Amen, because we're, we're magnifying things that are eternal, that are not subject to change, and we look at everything in life that hurts, that's wrong, that's it, it's, it's causing us pain, it's subject to change. And we have the right to complain and let it grow, or we can be glad and let it change. Okay, be thankful, not thankful for the stocks. I don't think that Paul and Silas are in there singing. Thank you, Lord, for the stocks. Thank you for my bruises. 
Thank you for the whipping, Lord. You're so good to me. <laughs> They're not thanking him for And that's when you get into that, that bogus theology. Some of you have heard it before. There's a bogus theology out there that, that will tell you to thank God for everything that happens in your life. Because they'll quote Ephesians 5, says thank God for everything. And 1 Thessalonians, thank God in everything. And, and, uh, and I don't have time. Maybe I'll go, go there in a minute. I don't know. Uh, but... That's not really the point here. Uh, we're not to be thankful for bad things that happen. All right. So why? Because God is not the author of evil and bad things happening. That comes into a whole theological foundation that I endeavor to establish on a continual and regular basis that God is not the author or behind everything that happens in the world. He is not the foundation of everything wrong that has happened in your life. We live in a real world where God has given you a, a, a free choice, made you a free moral agent. There is a devil that's real. He come to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I'm come that you may have life. We must choose life. We must resist the devil. That's a part of our lives. I cannot say that just because things have happened in my life and because I'm saved that God authored it. That God somehow is working out His will in my life and that's why bad things have happened to me. No, no, no. Because if you believe that, then you have to go to the place where you thank God for cancer. Thank God for car accidents. If a child is born deformed, thank you Lord, you're working out your plan. Are you listening to me? If you jump into a swimming pool and break your neck and end up in a wheelchair for the rest of your life, you thank God for it. But how many know people do that? Some people preach that. Oh, the Lord did this to me because he knew that some people couldn't handle it, that I could. He wanted to use me. And nonsense. Nonsense. That's baloney. Jesus died to redeem us from things, not to put us, uh, put us in a curse. Come on, let's, let's clearly see in the Bible what's a blessing and what's a curse and not, not try to muddy those waters and act like we're, uh, they're all just one. You can never tell what God's going to do. We can tell for certain what God's going to do. The best way is look at Jesus. It's the clearest picture. If he didn't slap sickness on people, if he didn't destroy people's lives, if he didn't, uh, you know, give people the answers that people are supposedly getting today, well, it's not God's timing for you to be delivered. You know, it's not God's timing for you to be healed. And Man, that's all just religious bunk. Come on now. Jesus didn't give those answers, and we're not going to give those answers either. Either. If so, say, what about if something doesn't happen? Well, I'm not going to question God. I'm going to question, what do I need to do to get it happen? I think it's a bunch of pride sometimes. Well, it didn't happen, so God must have done it. Have we ever considered the fact that we're not completely aligned with His, with his thinking? That maybe something on our end, we've missed the connection somehow. It's not a condemning thing. It's just the fact, Jack. It's just reality. It's just where we live that we have to recognize that we're growing, we're increasing. And I know this, I desire, as far as ministry and healing, I desire to get 100% of the people healed of every single thing every time. Say, do you? No, not yet. But I know God uh, took the, Jesus took stripes so everyone could be healed. Everyone could have this. And so I'm working on me. And I'm working on people as well and helping them. But I know this, that the goal is, is perfection. The goal is complete blessing and walking in the fullness of God. And I don't accept anything short of that. If I'm not experiencing it in my life, big whoop-de-doo, man. I never said I was perfect. I never said I knew everything. But I do know this, I'm increasing. 
I'm going to continue to seek God and follow after Him until I can adjust my thinking and my ways, and so I'm operating completely in the perfect will and plan of God. All right? Say, are you going to get there? Planning to. Getting increasing more and more every day. More and more every day. But if I just step back and say, well, no, whatever God's going to do, He's going to do. Well, I'm not going to do anything then. Because it's really not up to me. Doesn't matter if I believe or not. Doesn't matter if I have strong faith or, or weak faith. Doesn't matter if I know the truth. Or if I don't, if I believe a lie. God's just going to do what He's going to do. See, that's an extreme position. Okay, if some of you the, theologians, you know, there's a, there's a, a, a belief system, system called Calvinism. Okay, it gets way over there on the side. I don't mean they don't have any truth. I don't mean they're evil or anything like that. But that Calvinistic theology gets way over there, and it's extreme in the sovereignty of God. Okay, and basically it gets to the point where, uh, you know, your salvation is not even up to you. And I'm, I just don't accept that. I believe that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, that you choose. Okay, and, and I, I, I can't accept for a moment, knowing God, knowing His character, that a person was born and predestined for hell. And likewise, no one is born predestined for, uh, for a, a miserable life either, to live under a curse all the days of their lives. And some people are born into some junk, some people are born into some terrible situations that's because of sin man it's because of the curse and we have an impact on other people parents have it have an impact on their children big time okay that's just a part of life but jesus came to set us free and whoever will call on him whoever will hear, hear the word they have the right to come into the fullness of the blessing of god and wherever you and i are at today we can move, we can go up higher come on we can learn more whether you're 20 years old whether you're 80 years old it doesn't matter there's more that you can have I'm telling you, people sometimes give up too soon. And they think, you know, they check out too soon up here. They check out and they think, well, there's not much more time for me and I'm going to be in heaven soon or, or the Lord's going to come back soon and it doesn't really matter. There's, uh, it matters, man, because we don't know the dates and we don't know these times anyway. And so let's pursue and go, and go into heaven. You know, if the, if the Lord comes back next week, man, I want to go going up personally in my life i'm increasing i'm doing his will he's pleased with me he finds faith on the earth when he comes amen praise god we're to occupy until he comes the occupation army we're taking care of things here keeping peace spreading the lord lord's word everywhere we go now where'd all that come from acts acts 26 that's where we're at oh i mean 16 i wrote it down wrong <laughs> you remember <laughs> Acts 16. And so anyway, of course, they were in the stocks. They were having a rough day. But they chose to sing and give praise to God. You and I also must choose in our lives. You make a choice today. You'll make a choice tomorrow. And the next day, am I going to be a thankful person? Or am I just going to be a, a, a reflection of everything I see and feel? Am I going to be a parrot? I see something. I can only tell you what you tell me. And then just repeating things, just repeating what we see, what we feel. Or am I going to say, no, the Word of God is going to be my guide. I'm going to speak from the, uh, for what the Spirit of God leads me on the inside. I'm going to speak only the right thing. Act like you're on the stand in a courtroom. 
Come on now. Sometimes it's important. Your lawyer will tell you, only say this. <laughs> They'll try to, uh, I haven't had a whole lot of experience there, but I've seen movies. Okay? <laughs> They'll try to trap you into saying this. They'll try to lead you on this. They want to get you to admit this and this. Don't say anything about that. Just say this. Okay? Answer this way. And they're schooled and they're taught and they're, they, they prep and get ready to uh, how they say it and how their demeanor is and just say this. I think that's true spiritually too. Because when the pressure's on, when the accuser of the brethren comes against you and tries to get you to confess doubt and, and tries to get you to complain and gripe and all this stuff, the Lord gives us His Word. And it's supposed to be His Word in our mouth, that two-edged sword. And that is what, uh, what keeps us free, keeps us in victory. So the judge, our dad, <laughs> the righteous judge of all the earth can say, innocent. Okay, and, and, and we, we can be rewarded instead of walking in the curse that, that, that comes upon people all the time. Now listen, they again made a choice to praise God, and we should make a choice as well. Okay, I would suspect there's some folks in here tonight, and not everything is perfect in your life. All right, not everything is perfect. But what's your response to that? I want to tell you, rejoice and be glad. Don't thank God that everything, that everything's not perfect. Just thank God that His promises are unfailing. He is faithful to you. That He is on a move in your life. And He will always come through for you. Amen. There is something to be glad for. Praise God. And we can, we can be glad about things that we do have. You know, be glad that you can breathe. <laughs> be glad that you have food. Be glad that you have a, a, a warm building, you know. But then we can be glad also this is faith about things we don't see yet we can be thankful for things we don't yet see i like the way paul and silas prayed and sang praises they did it to the point that the prisoners heard them the prisoners heard them that, that gives good uh, give good witness to uh, vocal out loud praise they're not just let's be quiet now we don't want to offend anyone you know people won't understand why we're bleeding here and yet we're happy Yet we're glad, we're praising God. Come on, we need to lift our voice. We need to lift our voice and give thanks and praise to God. A friend of mine, a uh, pastor, was, um, he was telling me about a service they were having recently. And he said, um, he was ministering along. And all of a sudden he said, I went over to this guy that was in the, in the service as he's preaching. And he started saying to him, who, who, who are you? To, que to uh, question the way someone else praises God vocally and, and lifts their voice and lifts their hands to God. Who are you to say they, ca they can't do that? And he went on preaching and he found out afterwards <laughs> that this man had been talking to his wife about how people were praising God and lifting their hands and didn't like it. <laughs> didn't like how they did that. <laughs> and I thought, wow. Get him, God. <laughs> Well, when it's the Spirit of God, it's not going to drive them away, but help, help to uh, renew, renew their mind and get them to think like the Lord thinks. But how many know scripturally praise can be, and very often should be, uh, out loud and vocal. There are expressions of praise, not just an attitude of the heart. They prayed, and they praised so people could hear them. Amen. Amen. And I don't have any reason to believe that they had great voices. I mean, I don't have Paul's greatest hits. Or Paul and Silas on the keyboard singing together. 
anything like that. Uh, maybe they could sing well or not, but obviously that's irrelevant. The prisoners heard them and thought, wow, they should record. They should cut a CD. <laughs> no, that's irrelevant. Whether you're a great singer or a not a great singer, uh, you know, we talked about this in that series we did on the life of praise. I, I think there might be, I'm adding to scripture here just to warn you, there might be a filter between he- heaven and earth. <laughs> and when you sing, your praise goes through that and it puts you on pitch. When it comes up to God, it's beautiful. <laughs> Because it's coming from your heart, and you really love the Lord. Amen? Now, not everybody should record, but, uh, or, or be given microphones, but everyone should praise vocally. Should praise right out loud. Amen? I could just go off on a tangent on that, but you guys are probably all good with that, right? Everybody good with that? Praise the Lord out loud. Amen. Not ashamed. Not holding back. Not trying to make a scene. Not, try, not doing something to be seen by people but letting praise freely flow out of you, okay? Don't be a, don't be a screen watcher. <laughs> Just kind of watching the words, kind of mumbling. Say, do people really do that? <laughs> Some of you are thinking, you've been watching me, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love you anyway, but quit it. Come on, let some praise come out. Let's look at one more verse. We'll finish up. Luke 24. Anyway, the end of that passage there said in verse 26, suddenly, or I think it's 26, suddenly there was a great earthquake. So the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Can I tell you a good key to deliverance and freedom? It's praise and thanksgiving. Okay, lift your voice and give God thanks in the midst of, in the middle of bad circumstances, good circumstances. Give Him praise. Give Him thanks. And that's something that He rides on. And He delivered them. Luke 24 and verse 50. 24, 50. This is about when Jesus, is, he's about to take off here. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands and blessed them. Is that scriptural to do? Bless you. He's, he lifted up his hands and said, bless you. That's right, huh? Now it came to pass while he blessed them that he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him. And returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. What were they doing? They were continually praising and blessing God. What are we to do? We're to continually praise Him. It's not something we do once in a while. Not something we do on occasion. If we feel good. If the song is right. If I really feel the anointing. Come on now, let's live by faith. We don't just praise Him because we got goosebumps and we feel it. Ooh. No, we praise Him because of who He is, because He's faithful, and we are offering our thanksgiving for what He has done. Whether I see it, doesn't matter. It's true. Whether I feel it at the moment, doesn't matter. My praise begins with the fact that He saved me. 
And I can be thankful about that all day long and all week long. And they left, Jesus left them, and they were continually in a temple praising and blessing God. And thank God, you know, it's important that we get together and be in church praising God together. But listen, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, okay? The, the Lord was about to move inside of them, all right, and live, make His home in them. And you can praise God in the temple on Monday and on Tuesday and on Wednesday and on Thursday. Wherever you are, He is. And wherever you are praising Him, wherever you are giving thanks to His name, I tell you what, that's the atmosphere where His presence will manifest and as we minister to Him, come on, He ministers to us. As we sing praise and thanksgiving to Him, His power comes and knocks the chains off, opens the prison doors. And many who've been praying, Lord, help me. Lord, take this thing from me. Lord, deliver me. Nothing wrong with, with saying those things, but go into thanksgiving mode. And that's when you see things snap. Go into thanksgiving mode. That's when you, uh, when things really get done. Let me let me say this this one last thing. There was a, uh, and I'll just share this briefly because I heard this uh, years ago. A particular man had a vision from the Lord, and uh, and the short part of it is this: it was a football game, at what he was seeing, and it was about people's prayer lives, and what what he under what he understood was that was. I'm cutting it cutting it short. What he saw, but as people were um, really close to getting a touchdown the football team was really close to getting a touchdown the defense of course if you watch football at all you know they go into their goal line stance when they're down there in the red zone and it's it becomes oftentimes much more difficult the team will rush down the field pretty easily and then they'll get stopped because they have an extra strong defense there at the end to keep them from scoring and and he likewise what he what he saw in prayer is that the enemy will put up strong opposition when people are really really close Really, really close to getting their victory, really close to getting the answer to their prayer and the thing they've been standing and believing for, all of a sudden, the pressure gets swamped up. And usually people can know that. The devil tips his hand. It's simply when, when, when things get really hard and you feel like, man, I'm about to give up, know this, you're right on the edge. Know this, that if you don't quit now, you're very, very close to seeing the manifestation. But this is what he saw. How do you get in the end zone? How do you get, and what he saw was, uh, again, I'm putting this in my own words, but it was through praise and it was through thanksgiving that people bust through that line and get into the end zone and score, okay? Many, many people will stop, they'll settle, they'll kick a field goal, and they'll get part of the blessing of God, okay? They get three, better than nothing, but it's not, and that really, what, that's when they, when they just did, figured it out in the flesh and they did it their own way, but if people will stand and say, oh no, I give the Lord praise, and, and stir it up right at the end, you've done, done all this, you've stood in faith, but now you're about to give up, now you're about to quit, now you're about to lay all that to waste, it's time to lift your voice extra loud, might be time to jump, might be time to shout, might be time for a little laugh, huh, it's, oh, glory to God, He's coming through for me, God is faithful, and I give Him praise and thanksgiving and you don't feel like doing that don't understand me i'm not talking about goosebump that came first i'm talking about you're doing this completely by faith hmm? if you need to get alone and buy your house and get your face in the pillow because you don't want anyone else to think you're crazy <laughs> get your face in the pillow or be like paul and silas who cares if the prisoners heard hear you the prisoners are those other people who aren't praising god with you <laughs> amen <laughs> and get yourself in there and lift your voice and praise like it's done. Praise and celebrate like you're in the end zone. 
Okay, in the NFL, they get penalized for celebrating too much. In the kingdom of God, you don't. <laughs> you can celebrate, celebrate, throw, flop around if you want. You know, <laughs> you know, if they flop around on the ground, they get penalized. But, uh, you know, I saw a guy just this the other day, caught an inter- had an interception, ran, ran it back for a touchdown. In fact, did it twice in the same game. And so he did cartwheels and flips in the end zone and then lay down on the ground and they threw the flag on him and, and then and uh, and then he did it later in the game and they did it he, he did the same thing again and they threw it on him again and he didn't care <laughs> and uh and i say we have that attitude well, come on i'm praising god i'm just glad i'm going to be thankful for what god has said what he's doing in my life and you don't like it stuff you and there's no penalties in this game Amen. There's no penalties in the kingdom of God. I think the angels will be rejoicing right with us. Amen. Father, thank you tonight for your very presence. Thank you for your holy written word. We purpose and we choose tonight to be glad, to be thankful, thankful, thankful in every situation, in every circumstance, whether we feel it, whether we don't, whether it looks good right now, whether we don't. We purpose to trust you and be thankful for what you've done. Thankful for all you've done. You're a good God. You're a faithful Lord. We honor and bless you.